Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike and Mike go to the I could have had class. I could have been a podcaster. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am, Mike. Let's face it. It's Mike and Mike going to the movies. Hi, I'm Mike Smith. And joining me, as always, is a man who will put the bunny back in the box. Mike Tecrecio. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm a little confused in the uh, Nick Cage podcast crossover thing we got going on. We just brought back the uh, complete work season of Nicolas Cage. That's true, yeah. We unbearable weight. <laughs> And now you're doing Nick Cage references on Mike and Mike Pod. I don't know what episode we're recording now. I'm confused. It, it's complete anarchy. You're right, Mike. Uh, but the reason is that uh, one of those Nick Cage movies, which is heavily featured in The Unbearable Way to Massive Talent, uh, is playing at the, uh, the Roxy Theater here in Missoula, which is the theater near my house in Missoula, Montana this month. And that is what we are going to be doing today. So also joining us this week is programming coordinator for the Roxy Theater. Welcome uh, him back to the podcast, uh, Mike Evans. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Mike. And of course. Mike, good to see you. Hello. Yes. Hello. Yeah, it is another edition of Mike and Mike and Mike go to the movies. Uh, And yeah, we are very excited to have you on. I mean, the Roxy uh, just wrapped up the International Wildlife Film Festival, uh, which from what I can tell was a pretty huge success, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was our first year back as a fully in-person festival in two years. Um, And just uh, 75 films, I think it was a massive success. 75? 75. Um, Yeah. Many of them short films, I think. Many of them short films. Okay, um, okay. okay. But But, um, in in multiple venues, the theater, the garden behind the theater, uh, we did a night in Bozeman uh, at the Rialto, three films there, the UC Theater here on the uh, University of Montana campus, the Wilma, this historic uh, theater uh, clear uh, on the same street as the Roxy across the bridge. Just a massive undertaking and a really huge success. Nice. Awesome. I was looking forward to participating in the International Wildlife Film Festival, and I got to go to the Wild Walk, which is the uh, the parade that kicks off the festival, and then I smashed my face in, uh, <laughs> and so couldn't go to the festival during the week, uh, which was a bummer. But for people like me who missed it, there is still a virtual component to the festival, too, uh, which uh, this episode will come out on Thursday, May 5th. So there'll be like two days left of it, but we might as well plug it anyway. Uh, that goes through like the 7th, right? The International Wildlife right. Virtual Fest? Yeah, through the 7th. Uh, you can basically just go to wildlifefilms.org. Uh, there's a link there to the online component. Um, it's just about every film that we showed. With, I think only, yeah, only one or two or three exceptions. And um, yeah, it's really easy to use. You can get a pass to see as many things as you want or um, or just pay by the film. But yeah, it's... Um, it's just like a fantastic assortment of, of the selections of the of the festival. Nice. Awesome. So that is the International Wildlife Film Festival. And yes, yeah, still available for a couple of days uh, at wildlifefilms.org. Uh, otherwise, what's been going on in the life of Mike Emmons? Mike, it's been, uh, I think, like six months since you've been on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a bit. Um, I mean, the theater's been humming. The theater's been hopping lately with just two massive hits, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once and um, and The Northman, especially that the first film, Everything Everywhere All at Once. That... That yeah. movie, like I was reading about it just on a national level, like it is not it's not slowing down at all. It has, it has lost yeah. none of its audience from week to week to week. It's like it's like the old days where uh, turns out word of mouth is this real thing that can keep a movie <laughs> in the public consciousness and people tell their friends about it and then they go see it. And it ex- even if, you know, it might even expand its reach. 
yeah, we're having like the biggest crowds probably since reopening with that film. Um, wow. It's it's been amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it came out, I think, like four weeks ago and it's still like basically selling out theaters yeah. uh, at the Roxy, too, which is pretty insane to think about. Yeah. No, it's it's nuts. And I mean, the number of people who have stopped me on the street who either know me or they see that I'm wearing a Roxy hoodie or whatever, and they're like, oh, my God, everything everywhere all at once. It's the best movie I've ever seen in my life. It's yeah. been remarkable. I mean, like five or six people have done that. It's nuts. It's just like it's captured. It's it's really like capturing people's imaginations in a way that I can't think of a movie, a recent movie that has. I mean, it's like it's like harkening back to to the days of like the high concept 80s classic sci fi comedies like Ghostbusters or whatever. Or, um, right. Back to the future. Mm-hmm. Like it's really grabbing people and and people are seeing and also people are coming back. People are seeing it more than once. Yeah, that's that's my experience. I've been talking to people and they've all like everyone who's just like so excited about it. Like, I think I've heard one person complain about the movie afterwards. Where I was like, ah, it's too much. Uh, there's there's <laughs> too I, much. I think stuff I heard happening. that complaint, too. I think I know who you yeah. mean. <laughs> and then and then otherwise, like everyone else has just been like effusive praise for it, which uh, has been really exciting to see. I really like the movie. And I'm I'm now like I was like, oh, yeah, I really like that. That was like, a really good time. And now seeing the reaction to it, I'm like, maybe I should see it again. Like, I, I feel like I'm just like buying into the hype of it. I, yeah, I think it, I think it would probably I mean, I like the movie a great deal, too. I think, it, though, it would probably improve on a on a rewatch just when you have a little bit more solid footing of of the structure and what's going on. Yeah, it is a very overwhelming first watch. Yeah, it, yeah overwhelming is a good word for it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, everything everywhere all at once uh, has been taken the nation by storm and will do so probably until this week when the other multiverse movie comes out. <laughs> I would imagine. Wipe it off the uh, map. See... <laughs> I think it was a variety headline or something today talking about how it hasn't lost, uh, how like it's been gaining momentum and getting into more and more theaters. Uh, and they'll like take away last sentence was like audiences clamoring for the multiverse. <laughs> and people are like, that's not that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> we talk about everything everywhere all at once. That's not the I mean, thing. Th- this is this is primed for Hollywood to learn the exact wrong lessons Correct. from it. And yeah, we're just gonna get like a million multiverse movies over the course of the next few yeah. years. Absolutely. <laughs> Which we're already starting to see with I mean, all the Marvel movies are kind of moving in that direction now. The DC movies are like doing like, oh, maybe we'll do Flashpoint if we can legally release a movie with Ezra Miller in it anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. Um, I think that's yeah. <laughs> I think. But yeah, but it's, it's exciting to see this like just really fun original movie uh, kind of gain steam in theaters. And The Northman also has been killing it, uh, which has been very cool to see too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we I think we only have room for one more week of it this coming week. This things are getting kind of packed. Yeah, and we're sharing we're sharing the Northman with with AMC as well, and and uh, so that's that's been tricky. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a huge hit as well. I saw that uh, Friday, I believe, and and loved it. It was it was so completely up my alley like that. <laughs> like it was like, yes. made, mm-hmm. it was like <laughs> made in a lab for me. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> Big fan. Nice. Yeah, I also love the Northman. That was the, uh, the the day before I smashed my face in. I did a double feature of uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and the Northman, and uh, it was a good, uh, it was a good, it was a good, like really good day. And then the next day, it wasn't so great. Oh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, the Northman was the last thing I saw before I uh, had that accident, and then I looked like a character from the Northman. Yeah, I was going to say afterwards. <laughs> did you? <laughs> the Valkyries have opened a place for you in Valhalla now. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so the Roxy will still be playing uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once and the Northmen uh, at least through the next week. Yeah. Uh, and I think Everything Everywhere will probably still be playing probably even through the week after that, too. Yeah, I think that I think that's a safe bet. Nice. All right. So those, those two movies are playing at the Roxy right now. Uh, also playing at the Roxy right now 
is uh, we're all going to the World's Fair, which I think, actually, I'm, I'm throwing that one out there. I think when this episode comes out, it'll probably be the last day that that is playing at the Roxy, which is unfortunate. I have not seen it yet. I think I'm going to see it tomorrow, but uh, I've heard pretty good things, right? I've heard amazing things. Theoretically? I mean, okay. I, I'm seeing it tonight, and I'm so excited to see it. I, I it's It sort of showed up on my radar. I don't know how people were seeing it, but it sh- sort of showed up on my radar um like late last year on Letterboxd, people were starting. And I think they were, I think they were watching it like through Sundance or something like. Yeah, VOD. I, I had a really weird, uh, not to interrupt with the whole story, but I had a really weird thing this morning where I was like, oh man, I wonder if the Queen's drive-in, which is the drive-in that opened uh, during COVID and everything here is coming back in your house in Long Island, New York, the drive-in near my house in Long Island, New York. And um, <laughs> I was like, let me check that out. And I went to their Twitter and they're closed because they were in a, they're like, they're not coming back because they were in like the backfield of a museum, which has now reopened like post COVID restrictions and stuff. But the very last screening tweet they had was a drive-in showing of we're all going to the world's fair <laughs> in oh, from nice. like June or July 21 <laughs> yeah, last yeah. summer. It, and that it, it's in the park, like the world's fair park in Queens, like the end of uh, uh, men in black, like where that whole thing takes place <laughs> right. is where the drive-in is. Uh, and I was like, man, that would have been, so- I have no idea what the world's fair has to do with the movie at all. I don't know the plot of it, but I was like, that's just so weird that that was happening. <laughs> Uh, so it's been around for a while, I guess, is the point of that story. Yeah, it, it definitely it like I feel like letter. It's it's a movie that Letterboxd really loves. Um, yeah. People, the, OK, the folks who I, I follow, the the young film critics on Letterboxd who I follow seem to really be enamored of this film. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Um, it's yeah, I guess it's about a woman who gets sort of I think it's kind of I think I don't think there's more than two characters in the film um, or Hello. two actors okay. involved. And it's the and it's the lead actors uh, first film ever. It's not the first feature by the filmmaker Jane Shunbrun. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but um, it's one of her very first, one of their very first films. And um, yeah, I don't know. There's, a, it's a, like a, I mean, people are called, you, you know, using words like creepy pasta to describe it. It's like, yeah. A, yeah, a young woman gets sort of drawn into, into online games and in, in maybe in like kind of the recent past. Um, uh, Shunbrun made a film about Slender Man, a documentary about Slender Man, and I think like mm. that's the kind of of territory that they're mining here and so yeah i'm just i don't know i'm really excited to uh see it uh i'm a big fan of a an anime series called serial experiments lane that i think might uh have some of the same imagery and uh and tone as this so just like i don't know and that's another it's a, okay. a very different movie from the northman but another one that like this feels like feels like something <laughs> i'm really going to be into so all yeah, right well you know nice. <laughs> All right, cool. So that's we're all going to the World's Fair and that's playing there right now. And like I said, it, by the time this episode comes out, it will probably no longer be playing at the Roxy unless you listen to this in the morning. Um, <laughs> but on Friday, May 6th, uh, the Roxy getting two new movies uh, into its rotation. Uh, Petite Maman, which is the new film from uh, Celine Sciamma, uh, or Sciamma, I- I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, um, but uh, the director of uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, which Portrait of a Lady on Fire, the last movie I saw at the Roxy before uh, COVID shut down, uh, COVID shut it down, played there for like three days and then it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I mean, that was uh, like, I mean, this last movie I saw in theaters for a long time and uh, it was just a really great one to go out on. Like I absolutely loved Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I've been hearing about Petite Maman for a very very long time it feels like one of those ones that has been like circling through festivals and stuff since like the beginning of last year uh and so i'm excited to uh, check this one out the roxy too yeah same and and uh, yeah it's it's there's this weird phenomenon we're kind of encountering now where like we're getting these movies worst person in the world memoria petit maman that yeah. like are 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 technically like 2020 or 2021 films they're just like finally winding their way to 
to uh, <laughs> to the United States or to Missoula, Montana. But this this movie has, I mean, it, first of all, I, I so I programmed it today. It's seventy two minutes, which is well, uh, ace. Yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> um, it's the length of a Better Call Saul episode. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. And uh, the premise is just is wonderful. I, I really like. I mean, I, I love movies about kids. Like, I don't. There aren't enough. I feel like I feel like childhood is such an under like. We have in this country, we have a sort of bias that like a movie about a kid is necessarily for kids. And then you right. watch, you know, European movies like Murmur of the Heart or whatever, the 400 Blows. Right. Like, oh, wait, no, this is really rich territory. This we, more people should make movies about about growing up for adults. Um, but uh, anyway, the, the premise of the movie is that a young woman, a, a girl goes back in time and meets her mother at the same age that she is. Actually, I had no idea that was. The oh, premise I'm well. Movie. Spoilers. <laughs> that's the, that's the. I'm not spoiling anything. That's just the premise of the movie, apparently. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they're they're played by twin. The the two girls are played by twin sisters. Um, wow. Yeah, it's just it's this incredibly it's this incredibly interesting premise, and I I can't wait to see. It. I loved Portrait of the Lady on Fire. Uh, it wasn't the last movie I saw before lockdown. That was The Lodge. So, you know, Mike, Mike Smith, you win. Um, <laughs> so you had a lesser cinematic experience yes, than I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> Um, well, it was okay. It was okay, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I I was trying to be like, ah, I was okay. Like when it, when I saw it, my girlfriend was adamantly like, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> she hated the lodge, hated she, it. I, I, That's I fun. yeah. I mean, maybe if I know, you know, maybe I would rank it higher if it wasn't like, this might be the last film in a theater I ever see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There was an I apocalypse one, behind it. One of, one of my one of my last ones uh, was one that my girlfriend picked. Actually, was a uh, Fantasy Island, um, which was <laughs> the that. Blumhouse horror remake of the TV show Fantasy Island, right. and it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that was really <laughs> dreadful. With um, yeah, with, did you see Fantasy Island? Yeah, with the uh, Jin Yang from uh, from from Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. <laughs> yes, I, I yeah. don't know the man's name, but yeah, yeah, really pretty bad. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, real, real bad, real bad movie. Uh, and as somebody who had like no connection to the Fantasy Island TV show at all, other than like the one or two pop culture references that like I've picked up over the years, they hit those references. I mean, they and they really hit them over the head. Yeah. Someone <laughs> definitely said the plane, the plane. Yes, good, yes, good. they did. <laughs> they call him Tattoo because he has a tattoo. Oh, you see, interesting. <laughs> I'll check. Um, Let's make but, a movie yeah, so, about that. Uh, but Petite Maman uh, starts at the Roxy this week, uh, which I'm very excited about. Also starting this week is The Duke, which is a movie that I had not heard of until you messaged me today saying, we're getting The Duke. Duke, 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 Duke <laughs> Fever, catch it. Uh, yeah, uh, yes. we've, we've gotten a lot of requests for this. This is a, um, it's a true story of something I want to say that happened in the 60s, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but it's Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren, so two uh, Roxy faves. Uh, we joke a lot sure. about about the um, the intense love our audience has for for certain older British actors like those two, Dame Judi Dench. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, it's, yeah, it's about a, a, a cab driver who stole out of the National Gallery of Lo in London, a, the Goya painting of the Duke of Wellington. And he if I'm if I know the story, right, he held it hostage, basically, for something like a million pounds that he wanted redirected to public works and pub and uh, social programs in London because they were so radically underfunded. Okay. Now that I say that now that I tell this, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking this, maybe that happened in the eighties. Maybe this happened like that. <laughs> I should have, I should have done my research, but yeah, it looks really crowd pleasing. It looks, it looks really fun. Um, and like I said, yeah, a lot of people have written in, Wait, when you get May 6th. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah, that's the Duke on May 6th, uh, opening up at the Roxy. And then, uh, then from there throughout the rest of the month, a couple of the other new things are going to be happening. Men is opening up. Yeah, uh, which is the new uh, Alex Garland film, which uh, I've been pretty excited about. I'm a huge fan of Ex Machina. Uh, really liked Annihilation. Also really liked Devs, his uh, miniseries on FX. And now this new new movie called Men, which is a kind of psychological horror movie uh, starring Jesse Buckley. Uh, what can you tell us about Men, Mike? You know, what, other than that, they're the worst. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Normal men. Um, <laughs> other than what you just said, very little. I mean, I yeah, the trailers incredibly interesting in that almost every man is played by the same actor. Right. Uh, which, and I, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Um, we're, we're opening that on the 27th. We did, we did a second run of, of Annihilation and, uh, back in the day and it, and it did fantastic. So I'm really excited for this. Jesse Buckley is, I think really rapidly becoming one of the most exciting, interesting actresses. Uh, yeah. But, um, between Lost Daughter and I'm thinking of any things like just those two back to yeah, back is absolutely. pretty wild. No, she was my, she was my, you know, during the Oscars, my, I, I was really rooting for her for Lost Daughter and, you know, of course, oh, yeah. of course disappointed, but um, I always am. <laughs> I mean, naturally it's the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was just a disappointing night for so many reasons, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, that's yeah. I'm I'm really. I wish I I wish I knew more to say about it. But they're kind of keeping the plot pretty tightly under wraps. I know that uh, she's playing a, a grieving wife. Her um, her husband has committed suicide, and she's now in like a kind of a, a very small, like an English village, almost like a really ancient English town. And um, and there's sort of a folk horror, you know, Wicker Man vibe going on. And right. yeah, for for whatever reason, she doesn't seem terribly put out by it in the trailer. Every man is the same man. Um, every man she meets. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect, but I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. So that's men or what are you saying, Mike D? Um, I only know that I don't know the person's name that, that is playing all the men, but he's all the guy that's uh, like M's witty sidekick in the Daniel Craig Bond movies. That's the only oh. thing I know him from. And I'm very excited <laughs> to see him be scary. Yeah, Rory Kinnear. Enough. There it is. Rory that's Kinnear. who it is. Yeah. Yes. Rory Kinnear. The other Kinnear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, yes, Men is coming out uh, May 27th, you said that's uh, the date for that one? I think so, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so that's coming out at the end of the month. Uh, also, The Roxy's going to be getting, and I'm very excited about this, uh, the new restoration of David Lynch's Inland Empire uh, from 2006, uh, which I guess has now been, it's kind of moving out into theaters and being re-released again. So I've never seen Inland Empire. It is the one David Lynch movie I have not seen. Uh, so I'm very excited to uh, kind of get the chance to see that at The Roxy. Uh, have you seen Inland Empire, Mike Evans? I have. I saw it. Uh, it was given a one week run at the Wilma the year it came out. I feel almost <laughs> like it was, je- I mean, had if David Lynch wasn't born in Missoula, I don't yeah. know if they would have played it, but I think there were enough people, <laughs> enough people clamoring for it. Um, yeah. They, they agreed to do a week and you know, I was, I was there opening night. I wasn't going to miss it. It's a really difficult film. I mean, one of it's three hours long. It was, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious as to what restoration means in this context, because it was shot on a Sony handheld camcorder. I mean, it's shot like a, the cheapest home movie you can imagine. Right. Um, this could be a boarding house situation. You're saying. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like it's probably more artful than boarding house just by default of being a David Lynch film. Yeah. <laughs> but, I can, but even so. I can confirm that it's more artful than boarding house. <laughs> Did you guys talk about Boarding House, the worst movie I've ever seen in my life? Uh, you know, I think we did. Uh, I think I must have mentioned Boarding House, right? Mike? Yeah, we I, did I like it must have came out. Yeah, um, that, that was that was the weekend that uh, Mike D was supposed to come out here and then uh, got stuck right. right beforehand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I'm so like. I, I kind of wish you had been able to have the cinematic experience of watching Boarding House, Mike D, but at the same time, maybe we should save it for a better movie. Yeah. <laughs> when you come out, I have it downloaded and I was planning to watch it 
uh, at some point, and then you told me that, uh, like you described it to me, and I was like, I can't watch this by myself on a computer. <laughs> like, there's no way. <laughs> it would be interminable. Like, there's no yeah. way you can do it. Yeah. Uh, um, I, especially, I mean, if you downloaded the uh, the three-hour version of it or whatever. Right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know, yeah. Uh, ours was like 80 minutes, uh, which even that felt like it was three hours. Um, but it was, I mean, it was experience for sure. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Boarding House, the first movie i believe ever shot on video right first horror movie i don't know if it's the first movie movie but yeah okay yeah first horror movie shot on video and then david lynch continuing the proud tradition yeah yeah uh, in inland, <laughs> inland empire <laughs> boarding um, house walked so inland empire could run yeah i mean i mean there there are people who think it's uh it's, it's one of his worst films there's people who think it's his best film i don't know i don't know where i fall i mean it's been a long time since i've seen it. i've seen it since you know, I saw it when it came out on DVD a while back. I'm really excited to be giving it a run. And the restoration is everywhere. I mean, it's all over the country. So I'm glad to be a part of that. I, yeah, I can't wait to revisit it. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, it's definitely, I mean, it's come in for a big kind of reappraisal lately. Like mm. um, a, a monograph was just written about it. I picked that up and I'm, I'm kind of waiting to <laughs> waiting to rewatch it, to read it. Uh, Melissa Anderson's book. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really it's a really bizarre, experimental, rigorous film with very sort of I don't know. It's it's a lot of people. I, you know, I've heard it called like a sister film to Mulholland Drive. It's in the same Hollywood uh, milieu. It's it's kind of it's about a young a woman a woman in trouble, famously played by Laura Dern. Mm. Um, she's an actress, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> it's like nothing else I've ever seen. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward. All right, so yeah, it's Inland Empire, David Lynch's movie, which is going to be playing at the Roxy on May 13th, I believe is the day for that one, right, Mike? Right, May 13th, yeah. Yes, that's when it starts. All right, what are the other uh, kind of big first-run movies that we're getting at the Roxy this month? Probably the biggest one um, for the whole month is Downton Abbey uh, number two, Downton Abbey, (laughs) A New Era. Um, Two Downton, Two Abbey. Two Downton, Two Abbey, Downton, Two (laughs) Electric Boogaloo. Yes, Um, (laughs) Downtown Abbey, I've been seeing a lot of. Like, it's a... Well, um, I always appreciate Um, another another like, you know, uh, for our for a certain stratum of the Roxy audience uh, catnip film. (laughs) The the first one was actually, I think, until uh, Little Women came out, like our biggest hit of that year. Um, Yeah, it's huge. Uh, We had a gala with uh, champagne and and costumes. Nice. Um, we're not doing that this year. <laughs> Everyone's too burnt out, but we are. But yeah, not after the trailer told us that movies are bad. I believe that's uh, true. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, the the Downtons are are participate in a or they're not called the Downtons. The Crawleys are are uh, <laughs> on a, a shoot. They're being visited by uh, by Hollywood hucksters. Yeah, uh, we're actually doing advanced screenings of that on the 18th and 19th, uh, nice. one per evening. Um, and then starting a full run and yeah, no idea how long it'll go. We'll see. Yeah. Everyone's everyone has the full cast has come back. Maggie Smith is. Yeah. It's uh, it yeah. I, I think she's the only one that I like know for sure is on Downton Abbey. I've never watched the show. Me too. <laughs> um, Me too. I know, I know that Dan Stevens was on it at some point. Like I know he was in the main cast of the TV show. I'm not sure if he's in the movies or not, but like, I've, I've heard good things about the movies from people who like the show. So if you like Downton Abbey, the show, there's a good chance you'll probably enjoy Downton Abbey the movie. Dominic West from The Wire is in the movie too. He's one oh. of those. Uh, he's one of those Hollywood fat cats. So, Ooh. all right, there yeah. you go. <laughs> that sounds fun. I have a, yeah. uh, a little bit of a, like maybe an inside baseball question uh, about what determines what movies you play or show. I mean, rather, and like how long they run for for the new stuff. It's um, I mean, it's sort of it's a collaboration between. I mean, partly you know the whole staff. I mean, and but primarily uh, myself, uh, our executive director Mike Steinberg, and our booker 
Jan, who's actually books for several films. Um, she runs mm-hmm. uh, a company called PF Resources that books films for small theaters uh, throughout Washington, Idaho, Montana, and Oregon. And, um, you know, a lot of it's like, and it's Jan's such a such an incredibly valuable resource to have because like films that we sort of think are in our in our track, like she can be like, oh no, it's death. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> like you think you want, uh, where did you go, Bernadette? But you don't. Um <laughs> Or, or, you know, can point us to, towards movies that, yeah, might like, you know, keep a relationship healthy with a distributor, mm-hmm. um, you know, if things are getting a little, a little white and male at the theater, which can sometimes happen, uh, can point us, you know, in, in new and, and uh, you know, keep kind of keeping that whole, keeping that aspect of the theater fresh, keeping our programming a little bit more diverse. Yeah. So it's, I mean, but yeah, like if, if a staff member is like, no, I, you know, we should definitely get this film. We'll, we'll do everything we can to get it. It's, it's really a collaborative process. You know, it's like if, if a movie like Down Abbey is coming out or everything everywhere all at once, it's like, we're, we're going to do everything we can to get it. (laughs) Um, We, you know, uh, and it's, and it's a really, it can be really fraught. I mean, it's, it's kind of bizarre. Like, you know, emotions sometimes get involved when like we have an exclusive, you know, we've we've been promised an exclusive or something and then goes to other theaters or if, you know, if we, sometimes we can't open things on splits, Mm. it it becomes, it becomes kind of complex and wonky pretty quick. But yeah, things have been things have been smooth lately. But (laughs) every every distributor is every distributor is really different. Some are really touchy. Some are very easy to work with. It's uh, yeah, it's a a bizarre process that's kind of more more fraught than one might think. And now it's time to name names. Who are the ones that are really touchy? (laughs) (laughs) I've had. I mean, seriously, like people have people have called Jan like you were my childhood friend. (laughs) How could you do this to me? I trusted you. (laughs) We had, yeah, we had a, a you know, we, uh, God, I don't, yeah, I don't want to name names, but it's like, we don't had get in trouble. trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to get in trouble, but like, we, we wanted to play one, we were, we were going to play a movie about British queens, a uh, British queen of some okay. note. And uh, there's a lot of movies that could fit that description. <laughs> exactly. Of, of some note. And in, but in so doing, we had to, to open it, we had to push a different movie that we had booked about a different earlier British queen. Uh, a little later, <laughs> one week later. And um, the distri- distributor of that film was so incensed that like they waited to the last possible moment and then pulled it from our lineup. They were what? so, they were so butthurt that we, that we chose the much, much, much better and more acclaimed <laughs> movie about British queen number one, rather than their movie about British queen number two, that they Man. pulled it from our lineup and we were going to show it. We were absolutely going to show it, but they, um, yeah, and I think they also pulled a different film from us as well. They were really, uh, they were really peeved, and that kind of thing happens. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's a, it's ostensibly, it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. We need them, they need us, and most of the time, that's how it goes. But it, you know, feelings get hurt, and money talks, whatever you want. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, right. it's just, it's crazy yeah, that it's people tricky. care so much about like rep programming, <laughs> like from a distributor level, that they will do that. That's wild. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's there's some fevered egos, and um, and my my own is one of them. Of so. course, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. All right, so uh, that's awesome. Downton Abbey still playing at the Roxy, by the way. Yes. Uh, real quick, let's go through the other uh, new releases that are going to be coming out, and then I want to hit these uh, the special programming they were doing at the Roxy too. So yeah, real quick. Um, on the 13th, we're also starting a, a mountaineer documentary called The Sanctity of Space. It's by the same folks who made Maru, um, a really phenomenal documentary from a few years back about um, summiting Everest. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is set, I believe in, in like Alaska and, and Canada, but looks like, I mean, stunning photography. 
Uh, just watched the trailer today. And then on the 27th, uh, Montana Story, which uh, actually had its uh, premiere. I think maybe if, if I remember correctly, it's national premiere at the Montana Film Festival last year. Um, yes. I yeah, meet, I was there. I went to go see it. Yeah, I got to meet the and, and chat with the filmmakers, uh, David Siegel and Scott McGahey. And um, that's a really, that's going to be starting a run finally. Uh, and yeah, it's a terrific film with Haley Lou Richardson and Owen Teague as um, a, a couple of siblings who kind of have to deal with their father who has fallen into a coma on their Montana ranch. Yeah, really, I mean, has a really profound sense of place. Yeah, just a lovely little movie. Really glad yeah, to be it, bringing that for a forum. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's called Montana Story. It really does feel like, oh, this is like a story about Montana as much as it is about these yeah. two characters, uh, which I liked a lot. Uh, and also, I got to watch the. I I, I sat in front of the, those two filmmakers uh, at the premiere of Power of the Dog at the Montana Film Festival and got to watch their reaction to Power of the Dog and being like kind of blown away by that movie. So that was a yeah. pretty fun thing too. <laughs> yeah, they were they were they were such really they've they've made a lot of fantastic movies. The Deep End, uh, Suture, um, right. Yeah, really, really terrific guys and a, and a great creative partnership. Nice. All right, so that's Montana Story, and that's also going to be starting with Roxy in May. Uh, but now let's talk about some of the special programming at the Roxy, because one of my favorite things about the Roxy is there is a lot of special programming. I mean, there's at least multiple showings of different stuff like at, at every week at the Roxy. Uh, so by the time this podcast has come out, a couple of those will have already premiered. Actually, one of them was last night, which was On the Waterfront. Uh, which was the essential cinema pick for the month, which uh, is a movie that I haven't seen in many years. I would like to have seen it again, but wasn't available to do so. But yeah, on the waterfront, it's great. High recommend if people want to just go watch it at home. It's it's really good. <laughs> Hot take, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah. argument yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the other the other one that will have also uh, happened already by the time this podcast comes out is the very first movie of the monthly series, The Roxy, this month. Which this month, The Roxy is doing. Bong Hits, which is a perfect name for a, movie, for a series, uh, because this is about the uh, the films of Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, it's our it's our first ever, I, I think, pretty confident, our first ever series devoted to a foreign-born director. And um, Oh, wow. Yeah, we've wanted to do it for a long time, partly because of the name. We just really wanted to use that name. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> uh, half, of, half of programming is coming up with a great name. Yeah, so, yeah, it's all about, <laughs> it's all about the dorky puns. Yes. <laughs> So hey, 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 you know the, the world. The world's high on Sam Raimi right now, Mike. I'm pitching Raimi days as a thing. Uh, I love it. Just thro- throwing this out there. I think that'd be great. Most things I want the Army of Darkness. <laughs> seriously, October. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah, no joke. Raimi days. Yeah. Put the I index card up on the board now. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so so Bong Hits is starting in May, and uh, it's going through the entire, uh, not the entire filmography of Bong Joon-ho, but honestly, it's most of his movies. It's five it's films. A, which yeah, are- it's, it's a really good chunk, um, starting with Memories of Murder, the the restoration uh, from a couple of years ago. Man, we wanted to show it. We wanted, we wanted to give a run of it back then, and then, you know, yeah. we'll have other plans. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, starting on the fourth, Memories of Murder, uh, we're deviating, deviating from the, the Wednesdays a little bit just to show his film Mother, uh, which is maybe maybe my favorite um, on of his really his work. Yeah, maybe that's that's um, I, I, that's one of the two Bong movies that I have not seen yet. Actually, oh, nice. Well, yeah, got to make it out. Um, I haven't seen I haven't seen the first two. I haven't seen Memories of Murder or um, or uh, Barking Dogs Never Bite. But um, OK, I, I haven't seen that one either. But I just watched Memories of Murder for the first time nice. uh, recently. And uh, man, what a picture. Uh, it's, it's very good. It's it's like Bong Joon-ho's Zodiac uh, in many ways, oh, but I just like wait. a little funnier, too. Like there's just that, that dark Bong Joon-ho sense of humor that is kind of weaved throughout all of his movies that uh, is there in the middle of this very dark serial killer tale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's terrific. It's very good. Cool. No, I'm, I'm yeah, we're going on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, but for Mother's Day, we thought, yeah, we'd, we'd show his film Mother, even though I don't think it's it's much of course. Of the, 
a heart warmer, um, <laughs> uh, uh, in my opinion, um, than the host uh, on the 11th, on Wednesday, the 11th. Um, nice. Uh, which that was that was my first Bong Joon-ho movie, by the way. The host too. was the very first one I ever saw. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a lot of people's first one. And uh, yeah, I mean, that movie rules. That's, you know, it's the one that like got me into Bong Joon-ho and I started watching some of the other stuff. I think it was like right around the time Snowpiercer came out. I saw the host and then saw Snowpiercer and I was mm. like, man, this guy rules. This guy is very good. Yeah. No, it's a phenomenal movie. I, I can't wait to see it holds up because um, it's been it's yeah, I think it's been since it came out that I that I've seen it. Um, and then nice. on the 18th, um, Okja, which, you know, I, I don't think it ever really got much of a theatrical run in the United States. It was really kind of a Netflix streaming film. primarily. Yeah, I think it was before. I mean, yeah, because Netflix doesn't really do any kind of major runs of stuff. Uh, and it was I think before they were starting to play ball with like indie theaters and showing some of their stuff. In, in some screens to qualify for Oscars, right? I think you're, yeah, I think you're right. I think like, may, I mean, that it might've gotten just enough of a run to qualify, but no, right. but nothing beyond that. Um, and then, get, and then not get nominated, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, not a one. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, Oak is a really weird one. I wouldn't have expected to get, <laughs> to get nominated uh, for yeah. any Oscars or anything, but uh, that movie also is great. I haven't seen it since it came out on Netflix uh, back in like 2017, but uh, that's a movie that, uh, you know, is just so bananas and bonkers. Jake Gyllenhaal given like the, performance of his lifetime in that Tilda Swinton also great in it too that was really when he started when Jake Gyllenhaal kind of like had tried to be a matinee idol with like Prince of Persia or whatever and he was just like yeah I'd have, I'm gonna have way more fun being batshit yeah so yes. it, you know, movies like that and Velvet Goldmine and right. um, Nightcrawler and Ambulance <laughs> um right he, he is uh, wild in Ambulance by the way it, yeah really? he's, and he's amazing he's amazing in it. yeah um, yes. the sack, the, the incredible John Mulaney thing, uh, sack lunch brunch, yes. uh, <laughs> Mr. Sack Music, lunch, yes. sack, sack lunch bunch, excuse me. Um, right. Yeah, no, that was sort of the, yeah, that was the beginning of, of nutty Gyllenhaal and I'm, I'm all for it. And then, uh, on the 25th, uh, wrapping the series up with Parasite, which, I mean, how, how uh, could you not basically? Yeah. How could we not, <laughs> um, gave a full, we, you know, God, we, we played it for many, many weeks back in the day. And I, and I, I, I think there's still an appetite for it. I, that movie is is just so extraordinary. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can't wait to show it again. Yeah. I mean, that movie obviously won Best Picture at the Oscars, which is the first foreign language film to ever do so. And uh, yeah, well-deserved. Uh, like, it was one of the situations where, like, I remember watching the Oscars that year at the Roxy, uh, and, like, it was like watching the Super Bowl, like, the audience just, like, getting all, like, hyped up as it was, like, there was more and more momentum building yeah. for Parasite as the show went on, and then it won Best Picture. The crowd went nuts. It was great. That's awesome. <laughs> no, was, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm weird. excited to see uh, Parasite playing at the Roxy again. I mean, that played at the Roxy, like you said, for a while. Uh, and I think, did the Roxy play the black and white version too at some yep. point? Yep, Ooh. we did. Yeah, we kind of nice. alternated, I think, if I remember right. Nice, yeah. Uh, I've never seen the black and white version. I, I believe we're showing the regular uh, yeah. color version, though, this yep. time around, right? Yeah, just the color version. Oh, nice. I think the uh, black and white version's on the Criterion? I can't remember. Or maybe on one Is it is like on the Criterion disc? Yeah. Nice. I don't remember if I've watched it or not. But yeah, Parasite nice. Rocks. That's it. Yeah. I mean, there's not there's not even much more to say about it other than like, yeah, Parasite Rocks. If you haven't seen it yet, yeah, yeah. you should go watch the, Parasite. The warranted. It's it's it really is that good. Yeah. Yeah. So every every Wednesday in May, there is a new Bong Joon-ho movie playing at the Roxy Theater here in Missoula, uh, the Indian Theater in my house, Missoula, Montana. Uh, and then a bonus one on Sunday, May 8th for Mother's Day, where they're showing Mother. Uh, and yeah, definitely worth uh, checking that out. From there, uh, other ones to hit. Uh, the Free Fall, which is the Midnight Madness uh, movie on May 6th, which I know nothing about other than it's from a Montana director. Right. A fellow named Adam Stillwell. We we thought about it for um for Montana film for the Montana Film Festival. Um, oh really? Yeah. And I think and it was sort of like, you know, we there because there's a tradition of showing of showing horror films and we we just thought, you know, uh that it was really strong with the that Hellbender was stronger and but uh, yeah, I don't know. I like the film. Yeah, I, I think like it's a 
yeah, really interesting piece of work. So I hope people come out. We've got Con Air on 35 on Saturday. You mentioned. Oh, before. yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My God. Uh, Con Air 35 millimeter uh, Saturday, May 7th. This is the first movie cult uh, of the month, yep. uh, which I am very, very excited about um, because uh, I think we've been we've been trying to play Con Air at the theater for a while. It feels like, uh, you know, it just feels like every, every, like a couple of times, like every once in a while, I was like, oh, maybe we can play Con Air. And it doesn't doesn't quite happen yet. Uh, and this time around, it's finally happening. And the fact that it's happening in 35 is uh, is pretty cool, too. Uh, it's only and, and available at, in 35. So is it really? That might be why we've like, yeah, we've never we've never been able to play it because we didn't either oh. didn't have a 35 millimeter projector at the time or just like, oh, no, we really want to do it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that makes sense. Yeah, we finally we finally uh, seen reason we're going to show it. I, I think this is a good time to do it. I mean, we're we're in the uh, the throes of the Nicolas Cage comeback. Not that he went anywhere with uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. You know, I think people who may have seen that movie that for some reason, have not seen Con Air, which I'm, I think it's a very slim portion of the audience that would go see Unbearable Way to Massive Talent. But Con Air is heavily featured in that movie. And so I think, uh, you know, there's a little bit more Nicolas Cage nostalgia happening with a lot of his action movies in the 90s uh, right now. Uh, and uh, Con Air, I'm excited to see it on 35 uh, for Movie Cult, uh, which, I mean, the Movie Cult is throughout uh, the month, too. I mean, after that, so Movie Cult is every Saturday at the Roxy. And that's the first one. Uh, you're also showing The Twilight Saga, New Moon. Yeah. Uh, on May 14th, uh, because last month you showed Twilights, yeah. Uh, last, yeah. yeah. The enthusiasm in your voice is just so infectious. Uh, um, no, la- last month we showed uh, the original Twilight uh, to a sold-out crowd. Uh, I told the story. People were turned away. That, people were turned yeah. away into the night. Many, many people were turned many, away. <laughs> many disappointed people. Yeah, I told the story here of how uh, we went to that showing, and uh, yeah, we went uh, a little bit high, uh, followed by getting like really high, like and didn't realize the movie hadn't started for like a half hour, like after it had like <laughs> was supposed to start because there were so many people trying to get into the theater, like just to accommodate everybody. And then yeah, it was just a, a surreal experience uh, watching it in that packed crowd of people who like seemed like they genuinely loved Twilight. While at the same time understanding that it's like dumb, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. I feel like a lot of people have grown up with it and like have that kind of like feeling of like, okay, yeah, it was pretty dumb, but like it means so much to them, like from growing up with it and stuff. And so it's the kind of movie that's like packing theaters now. Uh, is Twilight was last month, and uh, I think New Moon will probably see a similar reaction. I wonder. Yeah, I mean, it pre-sales are great. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you're right, and we're nice. you know we're not going to stop. We're going up through all five. I think I, five I think months. you're legally obligated to show all five Twilight movies. Yeah, I, it's, I mean we we don't have a choice in the matter. We have to do it. <laughs> the way you talked about the Twilight screening uh, last month was like a Rocky horror show, like picture show type. It almost atmosphere. was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, you know, there was a moment where uh, there's the line in Twilight where uh, is like the famous line that like, even I who had not watched any of the movies or read the books or whatever. Um, I, I had watched the movies in the last year because my girlfriend made me, but like, there's the line that everybody knows where it's like, and I was irrevocably in love with him or whatever. And the entire crowd like said the line along with Kristen Stewart. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it's, you know, you, you, you talk about movie cults. This is like actual cults of, yeah. of Twilight. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so a new moon, Planet of the Roxy on May 14th, which, uh, in my opinion, may be the worst Twilight movie, but uh, could be a lot of fun to uh, watch with the crowd. The first one was. So this one uh, also should be the, a good time. Also, a movie cult this month is uh, Josie and the Pussycats, uh, which... Uh, Movie rocks. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, another another movie that we have tried to play for years. It always just went like a little too low on the ballot or like, you know, it comes in fourth or whatever, fifth. Um, but yeah, we're no, I I, I watched it a few months ago myself um, for the first time since like college. And yeah, it holds up so well. Alan Cumming is so great. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
terrific movie. Yeah, I, I watched it for the first time uh, right after Adam Schlesinger died, the uh, guy from Fountains of Wayne, who mm. uh, did the soundtrack right. for many movies, yeah. uh, including That Thing You Do and Josie and the Pussycats. And yeah, I was just kind of blown away by how funny and like how weird this movie is and like how ahead of its time it is in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Josie and the Pussycats, May 21st, The Roxy. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the other uh, movie cult uh, that's happening is Slums of Beverly Hills, also in 35 millimeters. Also in 35, uh, which, yeah. I, which I have never seen. Oh, oh, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah, great movie. Tamara Jenkins, I, I, I think that this is her first movie, and I think I, I only think she's I can only think of two other movies she's made since The Savages and uh, Private Life. I'm I'm, I'm oh, sure yes. I'm, I'm sure yeah, I'm missing. I, I remember when Private Life came out and like kept meaning to watch it, and then also have not seen that. No, she's, <laughs> uh, it's 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 been on my Netflix queue for yeah, a long time. She's batting a thousand. Like I, all of her movies are terrific. Uh, she, nice. Yeah, no, it's a terrific movie. It's a movie kind of introduced Natasha Leone to the world. I don't know if she'd, maybe she'd been in some stuff before that, but that was like kind of her breakout, her breakout role. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a world you never see it of like people who live in Beverly Hills, but are kind of peripatetic and they, and they, and are lower middle-class who aren't, who aren't like, you know, glued into the whole Hollywood to any part of the Hollywood scene. Um, right. Yeah. Really has got a strong sense of place. Fantastic dialogue. Terrific, terrific movie. I've never, I've, I've never seen the theater, but yeah, I'm going to make it out for 35. Yeah, it's it's such a great movie. All right. The Slums of Beverly Hills uh, playing. And that's going to be on uh, May 28th. (laughs) 28th is the date for that one. And then from there, kind of jumping around the calendar a little bit. We're showing Quest for Camelot on May 7th. Yep. uh, Kinematic Presents, presents, uh, which I have not seen since I was a kid. I remember basically nothing about it other than there's a two headed dragon in there. And there's some songs, I believe. It's it's after my time, I'm afraid. I don't I don't really. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Mike, Mike D, do you remember? Do you remember Quest for Camelot? I do, only because one of my friends recently made me watch it within like the last year. Uh, really? Yeah, <laughs> and I don't remember much about it, which is unfortunate. Oh no, wait, hold on. Is this the movie that I'm thinking of? I'm trying to. I'm looking at the calendar now. Actually, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's okay. It's weird. It's one of those like it's not the Disney Renaissance era. Like it's obviously not a Disney movie. I don't think. Right. Yeah. No. Is it a Don Bluth movie? Maybe it might be. Or, that might have been how we got there. My friend. Is, might it, have is it. it Bluth adjacent? Maybe it, it might not be an actual Don Bluth. It movie. might be one of those deals. Uh, okay. Or yeah, Bluth adjacent or something anyway. But it's like right before the like 90s animation Disney Renaissance. So it's like it looks weird and old and interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Like I didn't describe that. Uh, okay. You can tell like you're right on the precipice of animation changing, you know. Uh, interesting. And it's strange because it's all like, you know, huge. I think I saw it was like Carrie Elwes and Pierce Brosnan uh, and all those like big name actors, uh, but from 1988. Uh, so like all those guys that were almost there, you know. Uh, so yeah, that's a pretty cool movie. All right. Quest for Camelot is the Kinematic Presents movie this month. Uh, also, This Much I Know to Be True is playing uh, for One Night Only at the Roxy, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Can you remind me of the date? <laughs> uh, that is that is May 11th, May 11th. Uh, according to the calendar. I'm looking at my calendar is such a mess. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, the documentary about um, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, his uh, songwriting partner. Yeah, I, this kind of kind of they they reached out to us and and um, yeah, we were only too happy. We'd love to we'd love to give this a night. It looks fantastic. Sweet. Um, uh, Andrew directed by Andrew Dominic, who did um, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which Cave and Ellis did the music for. Um, yes. And yeah, fantastic soundtrack. Great. Yes. Uh, yeah. But um, I don't know that much about it. I know. I, I think it, I think it was it was shot and made after the death of Cave's son. And I think that that kind of affects the movie pretty, pretty strongly uh, during the during the making of two of his albums. But um, yeah, I, I don't know much more than that. But yeah, it looks both visually and sonically really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited for it. I mean, Andrew Dominic, somebody who I've been following for a little while now, and he's also directing uh, the new uh 
NC-17 Marilyn Monroe movie that's going to be happening on Netflix, right? The uh, Blonde, I think it's called. Yeah, that they are that they are not happy about. <laughs> Netflix is like, panicking over it over, yeah. <laughs> over there, yeah. uh, which I'm very excited to see that too. But uh, yeah, so this much I know to be true. Uh, one Night Only at the Roxy, that's on May 11th. And then one that I'm very excited about uh, and I think a cool tradition uh, for the foreseeable future, Friday the 13th Part 2 is playing on Friday the 13th. Uh, as part of Camp Horror Presents. That's right. From now, from from we're we're gonna keep this going. Uh, Sylvain and Charlie. Like every Friday, every, every Friday, Friday the 13th, the, just every do Friday a different sequel, right? And it's been a, and it's been quite a while since we had one. Um, they're gonna show the next inst, uh, or you know, a, concur- a ne- the following installment in the, uh, right. in the Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, so until we run out of Friday the Thirteenth movies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, this is part two, and uh, I think was was part one during the it wasn't during the festival, but like, I think it was a couple of weeks beforehand. I think, yeah, I think it was, it was the same month. month. Yeah, just a happy coincidence, and uh, we're, uh, we'll see how long. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can see this going for. There's a lot of those movies. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's like maybe two Friday the 13th a year. And so you could probably do this for like the next five years, yeah. uh, five or six years. Why not? Which <laughs> is pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, Friday the 13th part two is playing on Friday the 13th. And that's for Camp Horror Presents, which of course the Camp Horror Film Festival. We talked about that on the podcast uh, back when that was happening. Charlie McCorm's on uh, back then too. And uh, that's going to be happening again this year in August. So mark your calendars for that. Also, uh, Charlie McCorn uh, hosting a new series of the Roxy called Out of the Roxy. Um, which is uh, celebrating uh, queer cinema and queer filmmakers. And this month they're showing The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Right, on May 16th. Yeah, this is, I think, I want to say the third month. Um, It's going great. Charlie's getting huge crowds. Like, I I was on, I was sorry to miss My Name is Pauly Murray, which uh, was was last month's pick. Right, and was Charlie's uh, favorite movie of last year, year. according Um, to uh, our podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) no, she's been such a passionate advocate for that film, and and I and I've got to make the time. But yeah, Priscilla Queen of the Desert on the sixteenth. I, I I mean, I I saw it when I when it came out. I was like twelve. I don't remember much about it. <laughs> um, you know, I remember Terrence Stamp. You know, and the basic setup, uh, the basic the, the basic premise. But yeah, it's been a while. Nice. Yeah, I actually have never seen that one either. Uh, that's one that I would like to go see at some point. Uh, so hopefully, I'll be able to make it out for that one. Uh, and then also, uh, Charlie, of course, does Trash Talk every month at the Roxy. And this month, they're doing Terror Vision on May 20th, which I saw the trailer for this before Critters 2 a couple weeks ago, uh, which, by the way, Critters 2, absolute masterpiece, A+. Plus. It's like <laughs> ge- genuinely great. I, I really I really loved Critters 2. And the trailer for Terror Vision looked like one of the most bonkers things I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, so I'm excited for it. Brand new to me. Had never heard of it. It looks extremely uh, 80s. Like- yep. Just painfully eighties. <laughs> it looks um, like something I would get one of those weird like vinegar syndrome Blu-rays of. Uh, just a blind yeah. eye. Maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe I have no idea. Do. Yeah, <laughs> That's, that, that very well could be. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for that one. It seems to be about an alien that like lands in, in like a family that starts taking care of this alien, but the alien is killing people. But the family has to deal with that, and it seems like a wacky comedy horror movie that I'm very excited to see. Uh, so that's Terror Vision on May twentieth. What's the uh, the Montana Film Festival uh, presents uh, movie Marvel? in the black hole I don't, i'm not marvelous in the one. black hole yeah yeah on the 19th this is like a little kind of like a, a little california set um indie comedy with an actress i wasn't familiar with and before now i think this is probably her first film playing kind of a a young woman who's kind of like bordering on juvenile delinquency um mm-hmm. who kind of like needs something to do and so she gets into magic as taught by uh Rhea perlman the marvelous of the title and uh yeah it's a it's a quite a departure from the last mtff presents uh film the uh school shooter <laughs> uh drama oh, 
Um, right. Yeah. Which was, which was phenomenal, but, uh, but a bit of a downer and yeah, you know, we're showing, we're showing the many different sides of MTFF with this pick, but yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward. Nice. Awesome. So that's Marvelous in the Black Hole, and that's going to be on May uh, 19th. And then uh, real quick, want to hit, uh, there's like two new series that are debuting in May that I want to mention. Uh, first of which is Roxy Book Club, which uh, is going to be on May 23rd, and you guys are showing Pride and Prejudice, right? Right. The 2005 uh, Pride and Prejudice with uh, Kira Knightley and... Um now I'm blanking on his name. Tom Wamsgan says, uh, <laughs> as Mr. Darcy. Succession uh, guy, yeah. Succession guy. <laughs> Ma- Matthew um, McFadden, I think, yeah. Ma- Matthew McFadden, thank you. And it, which, I, you know, I, I love Pride and Prejudice, the novel, and I've always thought that was a terrific adaptation. You know, people like to poo-poo it because it's not 10 hours long, but I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's really, really good. And yeah, this is, so Christina Tripp, who's um, the rental co- rentals coordinator at the theater, will be kind of uh, leading a discussion of the novel, I think for like an hour before the movie starts at around 7.30. And we're going to do it every month. Um, we've got some some other titles picked out. They're going to kind of sometimes, I think, blend into the theme of the month, um, whether it's Pride or or the series for the month. If if that director, whoever ever you know, adapted a novel, um, I know there's there was some talk about doing Jaws um, and Jurassic Park. Yeah, in the near future, that, that would be interesting. I've never read the book of Jaws, but I've heard the book of Jaws is like not very good. Oh, I think it rocks. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's nowhere near like the movie, which is what makes it so interesting. Like, there's a whole oh, mafia subplot. Weird. Like, there's the, a whole what subplot? Mafia. Like, the reason the mayor wants to keep the town open is because he is in debt to the mafia in the book. And there's a whole subplot about it. And it's fascinating. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Interesting. Yeah. Check <laughs> yeah. it out. It's All like, right. a, so, yeah, you know, that, one of those summer beach reads. It's like 200 pages. It's great. Sweet. All right. I mean, that sounds like it'll generate an interesting discussion before the movie Jaws if we do that one. Yeah. Maybe that's yep. when I'll fly out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's there possible. Uh, all right, so Roxy Book Club, that's going to be on May 23rd with Pride and Prejudice. Uh, and then also going to be uh, uh, new this month is the new animation series that uh, you're kind of spearheading, right, Mike? Yes, we're calling it Persistence of Vision, animation from our, kind of our house animation from around the world. We were, we were thinking maybe an anime series or, a you know, an animation for adults or whatever, but we're just going to do... That's kind of those are sort of um, yeah. It's going to be films that adults can appreciate. That's I think sort of the 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 watchword or like the the running theme. But from all you know, from wherever we can get feature length animation films that 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 have that artistic merit and that maturity that adults can can uh, enjoy. And we're starting with a film I really love uh, called Redline. It's an anime film uh, by Takeshi Koike, who if you uh, he did some of the films from the Animatrix. He did uh, World Record uh, from the Ooh, Animatrix. That one's um, weird as fuck. Yeah, the one about the foot race. Uh, yeah, it's so right. good though. Uh, he does he does incredible model breaking um, character designs. Just a fantastic animator. This is almost entirely a hand drawn animated film. Uh, he worked on it for seven years. It yeah, it's become. I don't think it was a terrible financial success, but it's become a huge cult hit. Kind of like the last the last film of its kind to come from Japan as they sort of transition into more digital animation techniques. But that's that's on the twenty sixth of May. But and then in June we'll show uh, Fantastic Planet, uh, the extraordinary uh, animated. Uh, French film. We've got other things in the hopper. Yeah, we're kind of we're defining animation kind of loosely. Uh, so some stop motion stuff, maybe some Leica stuff. Don Hertzfeld, American directors, uh, directors from Europe and and other parts of Asia. It's, uh, yeah, I hope uh, I hope we can keep keep it going. It's um it's an area of film that has always it's always done very well for us, and we've never but we've never really highlighted it in a monthly series. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Nice, um, and it'll be perfect when the Roxy shows Minions two later this summer. Right uh, to. <laughs> Got to it. transition right into there. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, no, I'm very excited to see Redline. I've never seen it and uh, sounds awesome. So that's going to be on May 26th, uh, premiering at the Roxy. And then uh, otherwise, that's pretty much all the uh, the major special programming here at the Roxy in May, other than uh, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind, which is the uh, science on screen movie on May 24th, uh, where that actual like scientists come in for a discussion mm-hmm. before the movie that kind of relates to the movie's topic, right? Yes, and those are free too, um, which is nice. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, this this particular screening is going to be accompanied by a local neurologist who's going to talk about me- uh, memory formation, memory loss, brain damage. You know, sort of t- you know, kind of really exploring some of the themes that the film that the film brings up. Those are always really interesting screenings. We just did uh, Don't Look Up with not with scientists, rather for that one, but with journalists, kind of talking about the role journalism right. uh, plays in you know in the situations of, of massive crisis. Um, <laughs> Uh, I also uh, really want to mention real quick that we're doing Humpfest again. Uh, yes, for yeah, May twentieth and twenty first. Yeah, we're hosting we're hosting the tour of Humpfest, which is ethical ethical amateur porn made by people from around the country. It's this program that um, that Dan Savage has run for many years. We've done it. This is, I think, the, the third or fourth time we've done it. And yeah, it's always a really interesting, <laughs> interesting, uh, you know, it's a, this is a rental. We're not, this is not something we're putting on, but you know, still like if, if this is something that appeals to you, check it out. <laughs> C- cinema is cinema, you know, cinema is cinema. Uh, yeah, yeah, really. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Humpfest is going to be uh, May twentieth and twenty first, the Roxy, and yeah, that kind of brings us to an end uh, to the entire uh, calendar here. But uh, yeah, we're going to have to start wrapping this up. But Mike Emmons, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, it was awesome getting to talk about uh, everything happening at the Roxy, and hopefully we can do something like this again uh, in the near future because this was a lot of fun. For sure. Thank you so much, Mike. Mike, appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, if people if people want to find you online this week, uh, where can they do that? They can do it on Letterboxd. They can do it on Twitter at MichaelJMins1. And uh, yeah, meet me there. All right. Nice. Mike D, where can people find you online this week? Uh, you can find me at MDFilmBlog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you'd like to donate to support the show, you could do that on our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods, uh, plural, because we have two podcasts. Yes, we do. You can find me online at uh, MSmithFilmBlog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Mike Mike Go to the Movies. Or sorry, Mike and Mike and Mike Go to the Movies this week. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike's Crease Show, and that is Mike Emmons. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And uh, if you want to contact us, tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press, alongside many other podcasts, but kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Uh, next week, Mike and I will be back with some discussions, just some stuff that we've been uh, kind of watching lately. In the meantime, The Complete Works is talking Jeff Goldblum in the final regular Goldblum episode of the podcast uh, for Search Party. Uh, Jeff Goldblum nice. in the final season of Search Party. And then next week is our Goldblum finale, which uh, Mike Evans, we have like two or three minutes left on this call. But uh, yeah, I know you have thoughts on Search Party. Condense them into 30 seconds. What are your thoughts on the final season? Great. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> good, good. Yeah. I, you know, okay. Uh, a, a little, maybe at times frustrating. I, there were some uh, new minor characters that I found mm-hmm. gratingly obnoxious, but right. the stuff, so they are intended to be, they are intended to be, but like, man, they really pushed it. Uh, the core, <laughs> the core cast, the core four characters, I, the, all, all those performances were phenomenal. I cannot believe how, how far they went, how batshit that ending really was. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do, I do love that show. And, uh, and I, I can't, it, it never, li- it never like fully lost me. I kind of you know, dipped a little bit starting around season three, but it, it absolutely won me back over. And, uh, yeah. And, and Jeff Goldblum is, is perfectly cast in the role that you guys will talk about. 
yes. yeah, he, he, he really kills it. And uh, we'll be talking about that on the podcast uh, that's also coming out this week. So that is the end of this week's episode of Mike Might Go to the Movies. Mike Emmons, once again, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you.